This is Monty in the Morning, the show Phoenix Magazine readers voted number one talk radio show in Arizona. Number one during your morning commute. Number one whenever news breaks during your day. And number one whenever and wherever you want to talk sports. Now it's time for Monty in the Morning. Hey, yo, man, how the heck are you? It's Thursday, May 19th, 2022. Welcome into the Monty Show. Appreciate you being here. Please do make sure you hit that thumbs up button while you watch. It does help the channel grow. And as always, we appreciate your uh, subscription to this channel, which is absolutely free and comes with nothing in return outside of, you know, great sports talk every day and stuff. Uh, Today, I had quite the battle over Elon Musk on Twitter last night. Uh, We'll talk about... I don't believe that Elon Musk wants to buy Twitter. I don't know that he ever wanted to buy Twitter. We'll update you on that. Uh, Monkeypox is coming for that ass. Uh, So we'll talk about that. You have to not go anywhere. Do not leave. Nick Saban is going to be on the show. Yeah. What Nick Saban said about NIL and Texas A&M is remarkable. And I'm telling you, if you haven't heard it, sit tight because it's coming. But of course, as we always do on this show, it seems like we're going to start by talking some NBA hope. And that would be the Golden State Warriors torching the Dallas Mavericks last night in the Western Conference Finals. In what was, in one man's opinion, um, one of the most dominating performances we have seen this postseason. And a lot of it had to do with Steph Curry and his ability to create space and create opportunities. And it's something that we knew would happen. We talked about that on the show yesterday. But the thing that I think really impressed last night was the team defense the Golden State Warriors rolled out. And as athletic as they are offensively, I don't think, Jake, we've seen this Warriors team defend to this level uh, this postseason, at least not as well as they defended Luka last night. Yeah, they were very committed to stopping Luka last night, and I think that's where it starts if you're playing the Dallas Mavericks. You can't have Luka just getting any switch he wants. You can't have Luka deciding how the game is going to go. And, and, and I think that you know the Warriors understand the strategy. Uh, there was a lot of talk coming into this game about how you know the Warriors had uh, you know had a couple extra days here to rest and repair, and um, and I think that, that that is where the advantage came in last night. They knew how they wanted to handle Luka. They had a strategy, uh, and they employed that strategy. I think it needs to be said that Dallas missed a lot of three-point shots that they typically would make, so I don't really put a lot of stock into this game as far as you know Dallas not being you know good enough to beat the Warriors or this series not being a long series. I think Dallas was a little bit tired last night. I think they didn't make shots. I think when you combine that with with the Warriors playing really just elite team defense against Luka, um, it was a recipe for success for the Warriors. So I think as the series goes on, Luka will be better. You know, Luka, Luka and his teammates will be better. Uh, I, I just think the biggest thing last night was the Warriors came prepared to play great team defense, which led to a lot of turnovers, which ultimately led to the victory, you know, because the turnovers are what really start to fuel the Warriors and get the get them going in transition. And we told you yesterday that the Warriors were going to want to get out and run and they were going to want to push the pace against Luka because Luka likes to play with a slower, slower pace. He likes to get that switch onto the big or maybe a player who isn't as strong as him that he can back down. And then he likes to play one-on-one. And last night, that was not going to work uh, in an effort to win that game. So I was very impressed with what the Warriors did defensively. 
But I want to make sure this morning after watching that game, we're on the same page that these two teams are actually pretty even, I feel like. Last night just didn't go the Mavericks' way on basically any level. Well, and and I think one of the, the more interesting parts of this series is going to be adjustments. I mean, as we've talked about, you have two of the elite head coaches in the NBA right now and Steve Kerr and Jason Kidd going head-to-head. And I think the, the shocking thing was the Golden State Warriors played Luka Doncic to his left, and they stacked their defense for that. And I thought that was that was brilliant. Like, they weren't obsessed with making Doncic go right. Mm-hmm. They simply adjusted their defensive sets. And I think, again, Draymond Green showed his importance to, to the Golden State Warriors last night. His ability to strip Luka Doncic without getting a foul – called against him or committing a foul, however you want to put that, Mm -hmm. uh, was critical at certain times in that game. And I think when you look at uh, Draymond pulling down rebounds, getting out on the run, I think he was everything that you wanted him to be. That block shot on on Reggie Bullock in the corner, I thought was absolutely a momentum swing for the Golden State Warriors. You got that. I thought Andrew Wiggins and the defense that he played one-on-one against Luka Doncic was fantastic. Yeah, I thought that was a huge part of this game. And I, I'm with you. I, I think the role players for the Dallas Mavericks not knocking down those open threes, whether it was Bullock, whether it was Jalen Brunson had three, four wide open looks from two and three and missed them all. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was huge. I mean, you just, if you are the Dallas Mavericks, I think, again, you have to get more from the other four guys on the floor with Luka. And the other guy that I would point to here is Dorian Finney-Smith is, is oddly over the last couple of series – I mean, performing one of the great disappearing acts that we've seen. I think he's incredibly important to Dallas. And when you look at at the way that Jason Kidd uses his guys and runs those rotations, I think it's incredibly important that, um, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, you know, Jalen Brunson, it goes without saying, Jalen's got to score, you know, 20 points for them to win. Yeah. Um, but I think Dorian Finney-Smith is a guy that's got to knock down his shots and he's got to get more shots. And and frankly, with the way that the, the Warriors are defending right now, Jake, I don't know how Dallas is going to accomplish that. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing for Dallas is ball movement and motion in the offense. You know, there's there was a lot of, you know, sort of polarization on Luka last night. And I think that it's not just the cutting, you know, if you're Dallas offensively, like it's not just trying to get the baseline cut or get the, you know, the weak side wing cut going. It's It's more about you know, getting, you know, offensive sets that get the ball moving because that's ultimately the only way that you're going to start to get open looks in this series if you're Dallas. I mean, you have, again, the big difference between the Warriors and the Suns is that the Warriors have, you know, several guys who can play lockdown defense, you know. It's not just Andrew Wiggins. I think Jordan Poole is, you know, more than athletic enough to stay with most of the Dallas Mavericks roster. You've got Draymond Green backing you up. You know, even Steph Curry. Everyone wants to say that Steph doesn't play defense. I got news for you. He does, and he's strong for his position. He is one of the strongest players on the floor at his size, so he can do some things. So I think if you're Dallas – the biggest thing here is I would be getting Luca off the ball in terms of bringing it up, and I would be getting him in motion to get particular matchups and specifically to get him off of Andrew Wiggins because that's the problem. Wiggins is athletic, he's quick, and he's long, so he can get to the spot just as quick as Luca can, and that's why you saw it was difficult for Luca to get to the basket. And then you add the help defense to that, 
there's no way Luka is going to put up 40 in that game. You know, compare last night's game to, to game seven against the Suns. Very, very large contrast, right? Like two, right? You're playing the one of the best teams in the league. They have all five guys can do can guard anybody. So that's why I say it can't be the Luka show. It's got to be, you know, hey, yeah, sure, Luka's going to get his, but the ball's got to move. You have to move the ball to create open opportunities, and that's what ultimately I think you will see a lot of uh, adjustment from Jason Kidd and the Mavericks. Well, I think you better because you're going to have to figure out how to knock down shots. And I, I actually think it is as simple as putting guys in position to make more three-point shots for Dallas. That's mm -hmm. what this is going to come down to. Um, because when you when you look at some of the numbers in this game, there isn't really one specific stat that stands out to you as something where you're like, wow, holy bejeezer weasels. Um, I don't know what that means. But there's yeah. not a stat that stands out to you in this game looking at, at you know, like the numbers. I, I mean, you look at some of the shooting performances – Dorian Finney-Smith scores six or five points, excuse me, on one of three from three. I mean, that's absence. That's yeah. that's not even, um, in my opinion, an effort to get yourself going. You know, you get 12 from Bullock. You, you only get 17 from Spencer Dinwiddie. But the real issue is you only got 20 from Luka. Yeah. So all of that says to me, well, the Warriors played really good defense. And you look at some of the team numbers, the thing that terrifies you if you are – if you are Golden State is, it's not like Golden State played utter worldly basketball. It, it If you look at just the turnover numbers, Golden State turned the ball over 15 times. I mean, you still lost by that much. 15 times and Dallas lost by 25 or whatever it was. Yeah. That's scary. Yeah. If you're Golden State, you have to believe at some point the Mavericks are going to knock down jumpers in this series. Yeah. Because they will. Yeah. You got to clean that up. I mean, it is – and it's more than – you know, if you look at the individual numbers, um, it's more than just one guy. It's not like Steph had five turnovers on his own. It's seven, um, you know, between Draymond Green and Andrew Wiggins combined mm -hmm. for seven turnovers. It's two from Looney. It's three from Curry. It's two from Otto Porter. Like, everybody was guilty of it, with the exception of Klay Thompson, who really was a second-half performer last night. He didn't turn the ball over at all. You got to clean that up. Yeah. Right? So, now the good news is to offset that, the Golden State Warriors got out and ran. You know, they had 18 fast break points, which I think we knew was going to happen with Draymond Green being a, you know, being a force pulling those rebounds down. Yeah. But, I mean, seven turnovers for Luka Doncic, I believe he had six or seven on his own. That's a big number, right? And that has to continue. It probably won't. What it, There's a lot of things here, if you're the Golden State Warriors, that concern you. What do the free throw numbers look like? Because that's the other thing that I think was interesting last night. Well, Dallas shot 14 to 21. And, and again, something we talked about yesterday, 14 to 21 is terrible free it's throw unacceptable. shooting. Luka Doncic should not be taking technical foul free throws. He's not a... Luka Doncic is not a good free throw shooter. Yeah. And he should not be taking free throws. Um, he missed that technical, and that you could see that was demoralizing. You can't shoot 67% on 21 free throws. That's an issue. I mean, yeah, it is, Coach. You can't do it, right? And by the way, it's not like Golden State shot the lights out. They were 10 of 16 for 62%. And that's what I think is so interesting. If I'm Dallas, that's what I'm worried about. If you go back to the three-point stats the, uh, for the Warriors, I, they didn't particularly shoot amazing last 10 night. 10 of 29 for 34%. That's not 
amazing basketball out of the Warriors. Like I'm worried if I'm the Warriors, I'm looking at some of these analytics. I'm looking at some of these numbers. And you start to believe that Dallas just didn't knock down the jumper. Yeah. You know, like Dallas just didn't. If I mean, Dallas... what, is, what was their what was their shooting number last night? Because because there were so many like like when I was watching this game, I was I was I was looking at it and I'm like, man, Luca's missing all these little floaters in the lane. You figure that's probably good for another, you know, what, eight points on his stat sheet last mm -hmm. night. You know, you've got you've got, uh, you know, Reggie Bullock just missing the wing three attempts you've got, like you were just saying, Dorian Finney-Smith missing all these shots. So that's why I say like this score, you know, they I, Dallas finishes in the 80 point range somewhere in there, like 86 points. I think you got to figure that they're, they're a hundred point team in this series all day long. They just didn't shoot well last night. So the real question is going to be a in game two, who turns it over less, but B when do we get the, as far as the Warriors are concerned, when do we get the, Clay Thompson goes nuts from three game, or when do we get the just the outlandish three point shooting percentage out of the Warriors? Because that's going to happen too, and that's what I think is so interesting. Do we get that in a game two? Are you we... relying on that? Because if you're relying on that, Dallas is going to win this series. I mean, I think I I look at how poorly Dallas shot, and that's not going to continue. Dallas is too Dallas is too gifted from distance. Yeah, to to shoot. Um, what is it? Twenty two point nine percent. I mean, that's just embarrassingly bad. I mean, that's that is horrendous. They're not going to shoot thirty six percent from the floor. They're not. Yeah, that it. They were tired. They were coming out of a long series. They spent a lot of their their energy in that game seven. Like, yeah, you expected this game two is where you're going to really understand who the Dallas Mavericks are. And my question is, did Golden State send a message to Luka and the Mavs about this is going to be a grinder series for you, guy? How about that? Yeah, I mean, and I, I think there's a real good chance that's what happens here. Like, I have to believe that what we saw last night out of, out of Golden State defensively is what we're going to see for the rest of this series. Yeah, that'll continue, no doubt. You're going to have... You're going to have the ability if you're, again, if you're Reggie Bullock, if you are Dorian Finney-Smith, um, Kleba, you're going to have the opportunity to shoot threes because they're going to make those guys beat them. They are not going to allow Luka Doncic to have 40-point games. They're going to do everything they can do to, to, to prevent that. And I think when we go back to Dallas, I think what you're going to see is Luka's going to going to be probably a lot more energized in front of his home crowd. And you're probably going to get a 30, 40 point game out of him. Yeah. The question is, is that the same game that Clay Thompson goes off? Is that the same game that Wiggs or, or Steph Curry goes off? Right. Cause none of those guys had big numbers. This is the thing yeah. that worries you. If you're the Dallas Mavericks too, by the way, Yes. if you check the box for golden state, it ain't like anybody individually went off and blew the doors off of you. Fucking a. Uh, yeah, I mean, 21 points was the leading scorer. Steph Curry had 21 points last night. Their leading scorer. The other big names, you know, like Poole. Jordan Poole goes for 19 last night. Nobody had more than 21. So they got a very balanced attack last night. Yeah. Right? You, you got 10 from Otto Porter, who I thought ran the floor really well. That was a big deal. Um, but 15 from Clay, 21 from Curry. 10 from Looney and Green. Um, you get 19 out of Andrew Wiggins with stellar defense. That should concern you. Yeah. It, it is Clay, It is Steph Curry going for 21 and 12 rebounds. That should concern you. 
Um, four dimes from him. You get badly out-rebounded. If the, the Dallas Mavericks, 51-35. to 35, You Jesus. got badly out-rebounded. So neither one of these teams played a stellar game. Yeah. Neither one of them did. So I'm curious. I think game two is going to be much more indicative of what we see from this series in the long term versus what we're seeing in in game one. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's get some of your comments in here. If you're watching the show, please give us a thumbs up right now. It helps us grow the channel. Uh, don't forget to peruse and browse and then spend your money on our affiliate links below. Uh, James Knight says, what's up, lads? James, first in. Good to see you. Giggity, good morning to you. Rudy Sanchez says, uh, good morning, fellas. Warriors look good. The Warriors look relaxed. Yeah. The Warriors look relaxed. That's what it looked like to me. Um, it is it is really stupid to be getting technical fouls. By the way, I thought Draymond controlled himself very well last night. Very well last night. Only game one. We'll see. Jordan Poole getting a technical foul, I think it was. That was dumb. Why? And again, though, this is kind of the 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 thing that I, I'm we're going to wind up talking about a lot here. You're up 20 and you're bitching at the official to the point where you get a technical. There's fight. no reason for it. Like, what were you doing? What like are you, you were just, being in the moment? That's what you were doing. But maybe you weren't in the moment. You're up 20. How are you complaining about anything with the officials? I mean, like it made no sense. Steve Hambone says, "Good morning. What's up, Neville? Ninety three. How we doing?" And Garcy. Uh, Greg Hawkins says sub casuals. James Knight says, I don't think Clay Thompson is anywhere near his best and maybe won't get back there though. Well, I mean, I, I don't know about that. I think Clay is when you come off of the injuries that Clay's had, I think it's going to take you 18 months to get back to who you were. Yeah. And he's shooting the three very well. I think one of the things you're noticing is he's not trying to dunk on guys anymore. Yeah. He's doing a really good job because dunking is hard on your body. I don't know how many people realize that. Dunking is hard on your body. So when you go up to the rim, and this is how he tore his ACL, by the way. When you go up to the rim, it is a physical beating on your body. Because in this league, there are no free passes. You're getting hit. You're getting, you know, you're getting, essentially, you're taking a beating. So I think Clay's doing the exact right thing. It's it's why I've asked so often of Donovan Mitchell, why play at the rim? Use your mid-range game. Yeah. And when you get the opportunity to dunk on a dude, do it. Stay healthy. But you got to play in the mid-range in this league to have a long career. Yeah. And I think Clay Thompson's figuring that out. So, yeah, James, I think that's a good question. Uh, Eric and Raleigh says, scratching Luka across the face really slowed him down. Yeah. Well, they were physical with Luka. They were physical with Luka. There was no... Uh, there was no free pass, so to speak, for Luca. Like he got yeah. in the paint, they were swiping at him, they were hitting out at him. Like it was absolutely a, a smart physical game plan to limit Luka Doncic last night, and you could see he was frustrated. And we talked about this with Jason Tatum the other night. What was Luka doing? Not running back on defense. He was getting stripped. Not running back on defense. He was getting hit. Not running back on defense. And I think they set the tone early by picking him up full court, and which is yes. something else we talked about yesterday. Like, I think, you know, when you when you just start the game and you say to Andrew Wiggins, say, don't worry about scoring, just go and lock this guy up. I mean, that's that's a great way to kind of set the tone of how you're going to treat Luka through the rest of the game. And, and, and look, I mean, it's not like Andrew Wiggins went out there and was, like, intentionally trying to scratch the guy across the face. No. Things happen. But I think the Warriors, to your point, did a great job of – of really trying to really kick his ass, honestly, like by basketball terms, like being physical with him, bodying him, like 
Like a lot of those floaters that I was talking about earlier that he typically makes, that doesn't mean that the contact's not there. They were bodying him, and and I would expect him to make those at a higher percentage. But again, we're in a time of year where they've played a lot of basketball, bro. It adds up. The miles keep adding up. So at some point, you're going to get to a place where you need that rest. And so that's why I think like tonight when they're not playing and they're resting and they're recovering and they're getting their ice baths in, Tomorrow, I think you will see a much better version of Luca, just inside of his own personal game. Yeah, I think I think you'll see a much better version. Absolutely. Well, I think you better. I mean, I think you have to if, because they're not going to win with him scoring, you know, less than thirty points. He is he has got to score thirty points. I mean, it's shocking how uncomfortable he was um, at times in in this in this series like yeah. in this game rather mm-hmm. he's gonna have to change that if they want to win this series well like, and I think the expectation really should be that that the Warriors will win game two like I don't think we're gonna see the, the what we saw in in prior series where Dallas gets the marquee road win early in the season or early in the series to kind of shift things like I think you're gonna see they'll be down 2-0 leaving leaving California they're they're then going to be tasked with you know trying to win two in a row, which I don't think they will. So then I think they're going to be down three one coming back, and then I think this series is over in six. You know, and and that's honestly how I see it playing out based on what the Warriors are able to do defensively, because that's how you win on the road with defense. It's just so shocking to see a guy like Luka Doncic be so unathletic. Yeah, like when you're running against Golden State. And I know everybody's going to say, well, you just hate Luca." I do. I want to punch him in the face. I appreciated Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> we were all Andrew Wiggins last night. But I have respect for his game. I mean, he's Luka Doncic is a hell of a player. But the thing that stands out to you when you're going up against Steph, Clay, Poole, Dre, you're going up against a really athletic Golden State Warrior team. Luka Doncic is not athletic. Fat. He, he is. And I don't even know if he's fat. He just, you know, like somebody, I, I retweeted a, a picture of Luka Doncic sitting on a street drinking a beer. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like in current times or whatever, but that's who he is. He's a guy that that likes his pizza. He likes his beer. He likes his food. Fat. He's not a guy that's committed to being in the best shape of his life. Right, right. And when you have Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins coming at you and you have Steph Curry dribbling you into a blender, you better be athletic. And that's the that's the only thing that really worries me about this series is I don't know that that your best player can be unathletic and unable to run with the opponent. You have to be able to run with the Golden State Warriors to beat them. Line of Kane and B12. Because making threes against the Golden State Warriors does not create momentum because they can do that all day long. Yeah. Like it, when Luka made those back-to-back threes in the third quarter, was anybody worried? I was not worried. At all. I, I did not see a, a, a space in time where the the Mavericks were coming back to win that game because they had to beat the Warriors at their own game. And for four, you know, really three and a half quarters, they didn't make threes. So you're not beating the Warriors. Yeah. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how this dynamic plays out. The series is long from over. I think that the series is going to story of this series will be written in game two. Yeah. If the Mavs come out like that and they they shoot poorly again in game two, okay, now you're in trouble because Golden State's going to win a game in Dallas. You you feel like over the next six games, Golden State is more than capable of getting a game in Dallas. If you play terrible basketball again, 
if you're Dallas in game two, I would be really concerned. Yeah. And I know series doesn't start till the home team loses. I totally understand that. But there is a message sent in every single game. Is it going to be Dallas saying, hey, man, you're in for a long ride here. We're, you know, this is a seven-game series. Or is it Golden State saying, nah, this is going to be, we're going to go to, to Dallas and we're going to win a game. We're going to take a game on your home floor. Yeah. I'm going to be really interested to see that. Um, let's see. Uh, Sean Mirzinski says, I was debating with someone last night on this eight and worth $40 million a year thing. Well, the thing you should be debating is what in the hell were the Suns looking at when they chose Aiton over Luka? Okay, because that's a real thing. DeAndre Aiton's not worth $40 million. He wants Rudy Gobert money, and I'm telling you, he isn't worth that. I just, I'm not paying him. The Suns are handling this exactly the way they should be. Exactly the way they should be. Let him go to RFA. Let him go to restrictive free agency. You know, don't extend him. Like, do what you need to do. I would not pay him anywhere near a maximum ex rookie extension. Yeah. I'm not doing that. Yeah, I just think his game isn't there yet. I mean, I, I do think he's one of the best bigs in the league, but I don't think that, that the de the defensive side, the lacking on the defensive side is just too much. I mean, just the same way Rudy's got lacking on the offensive side. And again, this is the age-old debate. I mean, yeah, sure. I, I'm sure there are some people who say they'd rather have Aiton over Rudy or whatever, but I just think that that DeAndre Ayton has work to do, you know, from a toughness perspective, learning how to catch the basketball regularly, you know, and then defensively wanting to beat people up because that's ultimately what his role on the floor has to be as a big in the NBA. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think – I just think Ayton is – Ayton was always going to be a disappointment. To go back to things that I'm always right about, when the Suns made this pick, we, we straight called this out as a mistake. Like, what I just say. I mean, he goes to he goes to Arizona, and he is a dominant player, but he isn't a guy that wants to kill. And if you're going to be a dominant four or five, because he really is a hybrid, he's not a true five in this league. Because he's he's soft, he's a shooter, he's more of a a touch feel finesse player. Mm -hmm. You're not a five. You're not that guy, pal. Trust me, you're not that guy. We talked about this ad nauseum, and and. People really were upset when we said he's soft. He's always been soft. And the thing that that has stood out to him that he has not improved on in his career, DeAndre Ayton does not catch the basketball well. Yeah. And I'm telling you, it, it's because he isn't a strong arm hands guy, which is why he doesn't dunk on dudes, um, which is why he's great at catching lobs. He's great. at You throw the ball up at the rim, he'll catch it and dunk it. Yep. You throw him the ball in traffic, it's a turnover. Yep consistently and repeatedly and at some point the Suns have to decide if they want that kind of soft player as their center because I do think he cost him in the Dallas series I, I I truly think that Dallas played him off the floor yeah because he just wasn't willing to be nasty and his fouls are soft and, and I'm not saying that Bismarck Biombo is a better player than him because Bismarck's not he is he's a role player right right, right. But at least Biombo's trying to foul guys with authority. But no one's going to disrespect me. Yeah, swinging and missing. Bismarck Biombo's going to dunk on you. Yeah. If DeAndre Ayton wanted to dunk on everybody that stood in front of him, we wouldn't be having this conversation. They'd have pen to paper already. Yeah. But he's just not an. He's a nice guy. He's a soft guy. Yeah. That so he's not worth that. He's not worth that in in any way, shape, or form. I mean, 
What do you is is DeAndre Ayton not replaceable? I mean, he is replaceable. I think a lot of bigs in the league are replaceable. I mean, you're you're seeing two teams in the Western Conference Finals who don't really have bigs. You know, Dallas has Kleba, but you know, Golden State you know runs Looney out there sometimes. But you know, you don't have like a max player at the five on your team, and and that's. That's ultimately what I think the difference is. A lot of these bigs, unfortunately for them, you know, you have to be able to do certain things to up your value in the league. I mean, you can't just roll up and be like, hey, yeah, I'm a seven footer. I'm, you know, I can dunk without jumping. That's not good enough anymore. The the league is too fast. It moves too quickly. Too fast and too furious. Yeah, dude. Like, come on, bro. Let's go. We're all family here. Yeah. Um, what did I just say? Yeah. Uh, you know? says, Luca looked dehydrated after his day drinking. That picture really pissed a bunch of people off. People thought that was from you. I'm telling you, there's no way that it's picture. It's an old picture, man. I Yeah, I'm pretty certain that's an old picture. There is no way there's, that the Dallas Mavericks, A, are sitting on the street in San Francisco waiting for the game. You, that's not how NBA players that's go. That's cute. I remember when I had my first beer. And I would hope that Luca's not drinking beer on a game day. I would really hope he's not. He, that picture was not from yesterday. Yeah, that's an old picture. Yeah. It ha- it, did somebody confirm that? Yeah, I saw it on Twitter. I, I don't have a name to say, hey, they absolutely confirmed it. Yeah. But there were several people who were like, yeah, it's an old picture. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, BB says, so you will not be uh, talking hypo- hypothetical. Hello? Hypothetical Hello. trade talk. Come on, Monty. It's fun. I'm, I'm not here for that. No. I'm not here for that. Eric and Raleigh. Uh, whoa, hey now, comment dump. Also, focusing on going to Luka on offense really tired him out too. Well, because they made him work defensively as well. Yeah. This is this is what the game plan was very clearly to get Curry on Luka, to get Wiggins on Luka, to make Luka Doncic work defensively. Which is what Phoenix didn't do. Because when you're when you're carrying around all that extra cellulite in your in your legs, mm-hmm. and you haven't had that lipo yet, Luka. <laughs> and stuff um you know you know you're you're walking around with with a kegger of amstel light in the gut like i mean yeah it's gonna be tough to to defend and to offend wow Uh, and on the offend end and Uh, i ain't giving up no damn rice crispy treats yeah you know uh would you really consider draymond athletic absolutely yeah absolutely 100 he is draymond green's a phenomenal athlete why does everybody hate draymond green like what? What is? Oh, he's what's an the asshole, deal, dude. I mean, because his but person- Luca's an asshole. Like everybody in the league is an asshole. LeBron's an asshole. Russ is an asshole. No, like, but Draymond, Luca, Draymond, Luca, like Chris Paul's an asshole. Chris Paul is an asshole. Come on. But the guys that like last night, Luca flopping on the ground, like he he talking shit to the fans last night. Like when Draymond goes up, gets fouled, puts the ball in the hoop, he does the flex thing, sitting on the floor. That's why people hate Draymond, right? But that doesn't mean he's not a, an excellent player. You want him on your team. Yeah. Absolutely. There's not there's not a team in this league who doesn't want Draymond Green as part of their their roster. Because he's a really good rebounder. He's an elite defender, arguably the best defender in the NBA, and he's great at running the floor and distributing. Draymond Green can win you a game without ever shooting the ball. Yeah. Which is insane. And, and I, so you don't have to like him. But he's earned your respect. He's a phenomenal, a phenomenal player. Yeah, yeah, a phenomenal player. Um, you love him when he's on your team. You hate him when he's the opponent. Um, Eric and Raleigh says the beer picture was taken the night before the game in San Francisco. Oh, was it really? I didn't. I didn't know that. I have no idea. 
See, but that would bother me if that's true. If that's true, that would bother me. If he's sitting on the street drinking beer, that would bother me. I don't think I it was. highly I doubt highly that, that doubt was real, that. dude. Come on. I highly doubt that. Highly doubt that. Luca wants to play basketball with a little with as little movement as possible. Eric and Raleigh says, yeah, because he, he, his, his lungs and stuff are tired. Uh, Luca, Luca can kiss my ass. Neville 93 says, thank you. Yeah. The Mavericks came out and said that that's an old picture. So, oh, did they really? Yeah. Yeah. That's so. not surprising to me. It's him, Boban and, and a, an assistant coach sitting at a table in San Francisco. It's on my Twitter feed sitting at a table. at what looks to be San Francisco and Luca's got a glass of beer in his hand. Yeah. I highly doubt that is from. Even from, I would be surprised if that was not a pre, if that's a preseason game. Okay. You just can't tell me that that's from today, yesterday or the day before. I just, I have, I have, I, I seriously doubt that. Um, Bird, Nowitzki and Jokic are all six, nine and taller. Eric and Raleigh says, okay, I don't know what that's related to. What is that? Oh, and Garcy said, uh, Larry Bird, Dirk Nowitzki, the Joker, all non-athletic greats, non-athletic greats. You can add Tim Duncan to Tim Duncan was a phenomenal athlete. Tim Duncan was a phenomenal athlete. I unfortunately saw that up close and personal many times. Mm-hmm. I hate the Spurs so much. Um, but Larry Bird was a phenomenal athlete. I mean, Larry Bird before his back injury, Larry Bird could run, could dunk, could bang. Like Larry Bird was a great athlete. He had a back injury. Um, I would agree that Dirk Nowitzki did was never a great athletic basketball player but good lord the guy could shoot yeah and he was long as the day um but Nikola Jokic I actually disagree with you I think Jokic is a good athlete I think he's come into his own physically over the last five years and I think his ability to get up and down the floor the way he does his ability to um use his frame athletic ability is you know really in my mind it's guys that are strong can run and can play at all three levels. And the other thing that I think in the NBA we don't talk enough about is flexibility. Those guys are incredibly flexible. It is, I mean, it is how you keep your legs from snapping in half. Yeah. You're flexible and you have to be flexible. Uh, James Knight says, I can imagine you have a similar game to Luca Monti backing down in the block, hitting the fadeaway with the little, with as little movement as possible. I am not a great athlete. Not at this stage of my 50-year-old fat-ass life. Unreal. Um, I can shoot a little bit, but I play on the block just because I'm bigger than everybody. So, I mean, the problem is in today's game, nobody can pass to the post. You know, like they just – kids Jake age don't know how to pass into the post. They really right. don't. Uh, compare Aiton to centers drafted three years before and three years after. He's not a scrub. This isn't a center's league. Nobody's saying he's a scrub, yeah. dude. Nobody said he's a scrub. <clears throat> he's what not I said a max is he's, player, though. Yeah, he's not a superstar. He's yeah. not a star player. He's not a scrub. DeAndre Ayton is a good player. He is, but he's not a guy you want as your starting center that's making this forty million dollars a, a year. Five scrub. Like it is. It, it it is. It's Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert's a good player. I don't want him as my starting center, and I certainly don't want him for forty million dollars. Yeah, he's not a bad player. He's just like I would. I would probably in today's NBA entertain the argument of DeAndre Ayton or Rudy Gobert. Which guy do you want? Right. I, I mean, because that's not an open and shut case. Oh, it's Rudy Gobert. Is it though? In today's NBA, is it cut and dry Rudy Gobert? I mean, DeAndre Ayton's biggest problem is he's soft. Yeah. 
He is, he's just not going to foul you hard. He's not, he's not a great rebounder, but he's got phenomenal touch. The guy can straight up shoot a basketball. I think there's a, there's a good argument to be had there. By the way, I don't want either one of them as my starting center, and I'm not paying either one of them more than 20 million bucks a year. Yeah. I'm just not. Yeah. I'm not giving a guy that cannot consistently score and a guy that will not consistently bang 25% of my salary cap. I'm not doing that. Um, Jeremy Bolton says, well, good morning. Caruso is a bonafide scrub. Okay. I don't know. What does Alex Caruso have to do with anything he's in this conversation? He's just staying on brand. He's staying on brand, bro. Okay. That's all he's doing. Cool. Uh, the Warriors are the best team in the NBA, Eric says, and they play the best in the whole team, 6-6 six, six and under. Uh, I don't – I'm not – I'm mm, – We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I'm not ready to say the Warriors are the best team in the NBA. I'm not. I mean – I think there's there's a hell of a lot of good basketball being played in the Eastern Conference tonight. Like Boston and Miami, those are two really good things. I think Golden State's better than Dallas. Yeah. Um, is Dallas better than Boston or Miami? I don't think so. I I don't know how good Miami is. I'll be honest with you. I don't think I think we know that Boston is probably the best defensive team in the NBA. How good is Miami? Was was that Boston or was that Miami the other night? Was that uh, truly losing your best defensive player in Marcus Smart and a really important role player in Al Horford? I don't know how many teams can win a game without two of their most important players. Yeah, I mean, I think it, I think it was a lot of Miami, but I, yeah, I think not having Smart specifically is the one you really you really miss. But we'll see, man. There's a lot of basketball we played. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't I don't know. <laughs> Brett Robbins, Aiton has the body of Patrick Ewing, but the bangs like but bangs like Duncan Robinson. <laughs> Yeah, how about the fall of Duncan Robinson? He's still getting paid. Not for long. I don't think he's going to be on the heat next year. I mean, yeah, it, it's incredible. Duncan Robinson is terrible defensively. He does one thing while shoots a three. Yeah. And he gets paid in this league. That's that's a really good point. I don't know. Are the Warriors the best team left in the NBA? I think they're the most dangerous team. And what I mean by that is they, they, you may be able to beat them. Like, you know, Miami or Boston are really stout defensive team may be able to hold them down a little bit and beat them. But I think that the dangerous portion is that on any given night, in any given building, they can go off and shoot 45 48% from three on any given game. And at that point, it's over. And you can contest if you want to. But when you've got two of the best shooters the league has ever seen, uh, and then you've got Jordan Poole in addition to that, you're a really dangerous team, and there's not much people are going to be able to do about it. I mean, it's exactly what Luka did to the Suns. You know, like Luka was knocking down all those shots, and there was nothing that the Suns were going to be able to do about it. So who's the best team left? Uh, tell me who's shooting the ball the best. You know, honestly, like that's, I feel like, what it comes down to. All in the four postseason. of them. All four of them are three-point. But that's what this league is, and this is this is why, you know, again, when we talk about this is why. Uh, this is why when we talk about Rudy Gobert – um, and we, we have this discussion about how the Utah Jazz are built. You have to you you have to be a three and D team right now to win. You have to be. Look at three of the four teams. If you look at the, the Warriors, the Heat, and the Celtics, what do those three teams really have in common? They are elite defensively. They are really good defensively. And Boston's probably the best of the bunch. Yeah. But Dallas is not. Dallas Dallas does not always defend well. Dallas was a top 10 defense this year, but that doesn't make them a great defensive team. No. Like, we need to be clear on that. 
No, and I, I think you you start to see that a lot of that happened after the trade deadline. Um, once they once they picked up guys, once they made a switch and Jalen Brunson was playing a lot more, Dinwiddie came into the fold, like you they they were able to do more defensively. But the issue is that Luca is a turnstile. I mean, he cannot stand in front of another guard. Yeah. He just is not he doesn't have quick feet at all. Um he is a slow plotting methodical player. And he's a really good one. But if I look at, at Golden State, I mean, you, just about everybody you have on the floor at any given time is a really good defender, um, you know, with the exception of guys. Even I thought Looney did a really good job in the switches with Luka. Yeah. I thought he did a really good job. Um, but I look at Boston. They put five guys. Did anybody see the Daniel Tice block the other night? That was freaking unbelievable. Yeah. And you, that's what this team, the Boston Celtics, are capable of. When you're when you're when when you're getting defense from everybody, look at the block spam out of Biohead. Look at Jimmy Butler's block in the corner. Look at the rebounding. And, and the other thing that these three teams, Boston, Miami, and Golden State, have in common that that Dallas does not, they turn defense into offense consistently and quickly so they pull it down and draymond green sprinting up the floor they pull it down and and there's an outlet pass from bam to jimmy butler and they're into their offense like if, you, if the game last night espn was showing a graphic this morning uh or a highlight package this morning there were like four or five straight possessions where golden state was playing four on two four on three like, they're just getting up the floor quicker than you. Well, and I think that's a thing in the league. Like, I, I think a lot of teams, and, and really, the Jazz, you know, uh, were in their prime with this roster, you know, were notorious for, for hey, Rudy's going to pull that board down, then he's going to outlet it to hopefully somebody, hopefully it's Bogey or Don or Mike, one of those three. You're going to outlet it to one of those three guys who is probably two steps behind the half-court line already. And you're going to push the ball up, and you're going to find the open three. And that's what made the Jazz so dynamic as a team, right? But I think with Dallas, the issue is Luka does want to play this slow pace. Yeah. Chris Paul does want to play this slow pace. Like, like that's what made LeBron so lethal early in his career. He just got the ball and ran his ass down to the other end and either got fouled or dunked the basketball. That's why he was so dominant. And I think the thing that, that we see that these teams do well that the Jazz don't do well what are the hallmarks of good offense from Golden State? Lots of movement. Yeah. Everybody's in the blender. What are the hallmarks of really good offense from Miami? Lots of screen roll. Lots of Bam Adebayo pick and roll. Jimmy Butler creating. Like, you look at these teams, they stay on brand. Yes, core tenants. And what is Dallas's core tenant? One-on-one -on -one ISO basketball with Luka. Look what happened. I mean, you had Jalen Brunson dominate the Utah Jazz, and he really has not been the same player since since yeah. Luka came back. Yeah. And I, I think what you've seen there is the potential um, to be far better. You know, like someone who can be far better. And I, I, I just – I think that's what Dallas and, – and I don't mean to be redundant, and I know that I say the same thing over and over about the Dallas Mavericks, but somebody's got to step up. Yeah. One of these guys – it can't be Luca for 30 and everybody else for five or six. Yeah. Because Golden State has shown you now that Luca's got to find another gear against this team. He's going to get his 30. But who else is going to be there? Again, last night, 
It's Spencer Dinwiddie with 17 or whatever it was. Yeah, which is a more typical performance. I would agree with that. That's more of what you're going to get. Somebody, and it's probably Jalen Brunson. Somebody's got to have 20, 30-point game. But this is what I was saying. They're going to knock down more of those shots. Like Jalen Brunson missing all those wing threes. He's yes. not going to miss all of those. Like, like they, like they Again, I'm not trying to write off this loss, but if we're talking about specifically why they lost, yeah, the transition game was an issue for them. But really, the things that were in their control, they just didn't shoot well. Reggie Bullock is going to make those shots. Three of ten from three for Bullock. It's Bullock. That's an issue. Damn it. 0 of 5 for Brunson, 3 of 10 for Luca, 1 of 4 for Kleba. 3 of 10. Yeah, 3 of like, 7 from Spencer Dinwiddie from 3. You and you know, know the like, other issue with that? When you're missing all of those threes, what was it? What was the total? What, so 11 your, of 40. Oh, Jesus. 11 of 48. So, so you took you took 48 oh. three-point attempts and you only made 11, 11 of those. Meaning that what is what is that? Uh, 37 times Golden State gets a long rebound and is out in transition. 18 fast break points. Like, that's a lot of opportunities, you know? Maybe not 37 times, but you figure, yeah, 18 fast break points. They probably had, what, 23 to 25 fast break opportunities at that. So that's why I say, like, if you're going to take 48 threes, you damn well better make 25 of those. Because if you don't, the price that you're going to have to pay when you play the Warriors is going to be heavy. And that's what happened last night. By the way, the PGA uh, Championship is teed off. Um, and Tiger Woods on the first tee right down the middle for three hundo. So we'll see. He says his his legs, by the way. And, and I'm, I'm a huge golf fan when Tiger's playing. Yeah. Tiger said yesterday that his legs were hurting him um, at the Masters, that, you know, like he was struggling. Yeah. Uh, or um, the last term he played was a Masters, I think. Yeah, that Augusta. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that his legs were bothering him. That in the last two days, he was actually in physical pain just walking the course. Well, because Augusta's basically the most demanding course on the tour, and, yeah, and so that was his first like one. It's like 400 feet of elevation Yeah, change it's like and... some gnarly up and down. And like, it just is very taxing. So, you know, I, I, he basically said in that in his little presser or whatever, stand up there, that, that, you know, it's equivalent to, you know, coming back and doing your first hike up Mount Everest, essentially. You know? Yeah, and he also said yesterday um, that he is he stopped playing golf for weeks and got back in the gym and has worked on flexibility and lower leg strength Yeah, to try and compensate. Because again, um, I mean, it, it's, it's the PGA. It's a, it's a lot of walking and it is not the easiest course to walk. This is not an easy place to play. Um, Tiger won at this course. Um, Oh seven. Yeah. Oh seven. Yeah. They completely changed the course since that time. Yeah. So it'll be interesting, but good start for him. Um, he's playing with Spieth and Rory McIlroy. Mm. And I continue to say Jordan Spieth is one of the biggest disappointments in American golf history. The guy has got to fricking figure out how to be there on Sunday with a chance to win. And he just too often is not. All right. Nice. Let's get some of your uh, let's get some of your thoughts in here because I, I want to get to this Nick Saban sound here in a minute because I think this NIL discussion is, is continuing to be a big deal. Uh, John Jackson says I'd rather put Jazz money into a forward big rather than a center big if we lose Rudy. Yeah, I would agree with Not that. Not if when. Yeah, it's I, going I, to I mean I, I still think that happens. Yes, yeah. I agree with that. Eric says Looney might be the key to the series. His offensive uh, rebound potential is huge. I agree. The Warriors are so good at the fast break because they don't always make outlet passes. It's because you know the thing that nobody talks about is 
the Warriors rebound in motion. Like, if you watch Draymond Green rebound, he's already running when he grabs the basketball on the rebound. He is already moving up the floor. Steph, three, four times last night, swinging through to get the rebound already up the floor. You you don't even realize he's got the rebound and he's already got you by two steps. And his range is, uh, you know, puts you in a precarious situation, no doubt. Yeah. Um, Brett Robbins says, I want the Jazz to try and get Isaac. Jonathan Isaac. Okay. From Orlando. Um, Rudy Sanchez says, how do you guys feel about the league trying to change the fast break foul rule? They need to eliminate it. Yeah, I love it. I love the concept that they're trying to put in a rule that basically says that you get one free throw and you get to keep possession. I love that. I think it's per, I don't think it's too heavy of a price to pay for all those take fouls. Yeah. And I think, you know, again, not to hate on the jazz, but they're one of the most notorious teams for it. We saw it all season long. The jazz and the heat. Yeah. The jazz and the the heat employ and you should. I mean, if you're playing the Golden State Warriors, I do it. I, I just, I mean, you cannot allow them to get momentum on the break because the problem is it's what the Jazz used to do. Steph Curry last night is taking step back threes on the break and making them. Yes. You can't, you can't have that. You you, you just can't have that. Uh, James Knight says, okay, we get it. You guys are on the Dubs bandwagon to Slurpville, LOL. They're good. I don't know how you're not on their bandwagon right now. Uh, and Garcia says, Rudy, Aiton, and Luca. We need two more for Monty's starting five hate list. Jesus, this is not difficult. Uh, Rudy, Aiton, and Luca. I see. The problem is, I don't hate Rudy. I don't. Everybody thinks we hate Rudy, but we don't. I don't hate Rudy. He's just an incredibly we're limited not, player. We're not going to sit here and say, you know, sunshine and roses about the guy. I mean, yes, he is a defensive player of the year guy. He is super capable at the rim most nine times out of ten he's going to win that that dunk attempt you know whether he gets the block or the guy dunks on him he's going to get the block nine times out of ten but again like we were just discussing with DeAndre Ayton I mean that's great that you can play rim defense but you don't have a jumper or any kind of offensive game outside of setting picks and by the way we were just got done discussing that this league is a track meet and Rudy Gobert does not fit into a track meet I would agree with that uh James Knight says uh the Monty all-star hate team love it it is I mean I mean, you can put Rudy on that if you want. I don't hate Rudy. Uh, but Aiton, Luca, I think you definitely have to have James Harden on that team. I hate yeah. James Harden. Like, that guy to me is... Pat Bev? No, nah, I'd love Pat Bev to be on the Bulls. I mean, he is... I mean, like, you want Patrick Beverly on your team. I don't like him on somebody else's team. But there's not a whole lot of guys in this league I don't like. I mean, yeah. I mean, there, there's... It, it, Nobody at the Knicks are irrelevant. Like Giannis, I'm not a huge fan of Giannis. Um, but I don't hate Giannis. I mean Westbrook. Yeah, I'm not a big Russ fan. Kyrie, to a certain extent, I really like watching Kyrie Irving play basketball. Like I I really enjoy his game. I hate all the other stuff. I hate the COVID stuff. I hate the 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 bro, fa- he fasting. Can't use the C word, bro. Come on. Oh, that my bad that my bad the c word i didn't say that doing uh so you better check yourself i i there's not a lot of guys i dislike in this league like there's yeah there's nobody on the jazz i don't like royce o'neill you can put royce o'neill on that on that the dirty plays against dallas really bothered me yeah really like that and what did it get you that sealed the deal for me yeah like that was when royce was doing that with jalen brunson that was the end of that i just thought that was really beneath who the jazz should be Mm mm-hmm um, but I don't have guys like, I don't hate, like the funny thing is 
there's a difference between hating a guy. Like, I don't, I can't stand James Harden, the basketball player. I don't know him as a human being. Yeah. I hate James Harden, the basketball player. Like, the flopping, the swing through stuff, the the quitting on teams. I, I do not like James Harden. He's my starting guard on that team. But, like, Aiton, I don't hate DeAndre Aiton. He's just not good. I don't hate Rudy Gobert. He's just not good. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's a difference between hating and truth-telling. Man, who would I, my starting five haters be? Like, I mean, Luka for certain. I don't like Luka Doncic at all. But, I mean, I love the guy's game. I mean, you got to respect yeah. his game. Yeah. Um, LeBron? Yeah. I, but I just have so much respect for him as a player, though. Yeah. I don't like him as a guy. I mean, the the activism stuff off the floor that he does not do. I don't know. I'd have to really think about that because there's not a whole lot of guys that I just straight up hate. Yeah. Like that doesn't – that like Trey Young. I don't like Trey Young. I mean, I guess you could put him on that team. I don't even enjoy watching him play. Like he is, he's not enjoyable. Yeah, you were not a big fan of the New York Knicks, you know, banter with Trey Young. No, I wasn't because it didn't pay off to anything. I don't know. I, I it, it is what it is. Um the double travel step back that for some reason he's the only player in the world who can do it. It's not a travel. It's not. It's not. I mean, the, the NBA and the NBA official uh, union has explained it. James Harden. Everybody does it. It Listen, is not a travel. You. It looks like a travel on TV because you can't see when he's picking up the ball. That's the thing. It's when you pick up the ball. Uh, so. And Garcia says it's hate if every single show is about a player's downside. No, every single show is about the Jazz needs to rebuild. It's not, it's not like seeing Garcia and I don't understand why you can't figure this out. Yeah, this is not a hard concept. It's when you're talking about the Jazz, how do you not talk about the guy who's taken up fucking 25% of their salary cap? Yeah. He's take guy, do you understand he's taken Rudy Gobert gets 20? I think it's the exact numbers 23.6% of their salary cap. Thanks. So we should just not talk about him. Are you are you serious? He is their one of their single biggest issues, good and bad. He is one of their single biggest issues, <clears throat> and you just you're a you're a Rudy Gobert guy, so you don't want the truth. You want the spin, and we don't spin on this show, whether we love him or hate him. We we spent the other day, we spent twenty minutes the other day ripping Devin Booker, who happens to be my favorite player. I'm going to say this again. But you can't no show in big games constantly, right? Like we, please. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it's fine. Um, Brett Robbins says, no, he straight traveled on a double step back over Rubio in the playoffs. Okay. <laughs> Did Ricky, why are we talking about, Ricky why are we, Rubio's? why are we talking about Ricky we need to Rubio? Move on anyway. We're running yeah. out of time here. All right. Let's Nick go. Saban, Nick Saban. Let's play some Nick Saban audio. I want to start with this. I'm going to play the Texas A&M bomb in a minute, but Nick Saban he, he is this conversation. Guys, people hate. I don't hate Nick Saban. I respect the hell out of Nick Saban. Yeah. And Nick Saban yesterday was sitting up on a dais talking about NIL and transfer portal and the problems with it. And I'm not even going to describe what he said. I'm just going to let you listen to the head coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Every time somebody wanted to transfer, they'd apply for a waiver. Right? If you didn't give them, if the NCAA didn't give them a waiver so they could be immediately eligible, they filed suit. So the NCAA would back off and give them a waiver. So they just said, we're just going to make a rule where everybody can transfer. That's how that happened. So if the NCAA doesn't get some protection from litigation, whether we got to get an antitrust or whatever it is, from a federal government standpoint, 
this is not going to change because they cannot enforce their rules, just like Nate said. We have a rule right now that says you cannot use name, image, and likeness to entice a player to come to your school. Hell, read about it in the paper. I mean, Jackson State paid a guy a million dollars last year that was a really good Division I player to come to school. It was in the paper, and they bragged about it. Nobody did anything about it. I mean, these guys at Miami that are going to play basketball there for $400,000, it's in the newspaper. The guy tells you how he's doing it. So, um, but the NCAA can't enforce their rules because it's not against the law. He ain't wrong. He ain't sure. Why do we have a transfer portal? I mean, the NCAA didn't even hide the fact that they were tired of getting sued by guys who, you know, didn't want to abide by their, and admittedly, their dumbass transfer rules. Yeah. So they made it so that any player can transfer one time without sitting out. Solve that problem. But as, as we've talked about on the show previously, the single biggest mistake that the NCAA is making with NIL is they don't link it to the transfer portal. Yeah. Because what's happening is guys are getting recruited. Caleb Williams to USC is not an accident. And it's because USC is a better offer. Yeah. And you look around college football, and and whether it is Lane Kiffin um, recruiting one of your favorite all-time state of Utah quarterbacks to come to Ole Miss, yeah. do you really think that happened without compensation? They don't even have to hide it anymore. But he gets in the transfer portal. You know, Jackson Dark gets in the transfer portal, goes out on recruiting trips, and winds up getting the best offer for his family. And so he goes to Ole Miss. I mean, you can't blame the player at all. Not at all. That, yeah. I mean, if I'm the player, I'm leveraging the system. The problem is what Nick Saban said right here about Texas A&M. You've read about them. You know who they are. I mean, we were second in recruiting last year. A&M was first. A&M bought every player on their team. Made a deal for name, image, and likeness. All right? We didn't buy one player. All right? But I don't know if we're going to be able to sustain that in the future because more and more people are doing it. Bro. So Nick Saban essentially said, at Alabama, we're not guaranteeing you anything other than the opportunity to make significant money. When you come to Alabama, we're not going to say, hey, come here and we're going to hand you $50,000, a million dollars, right? There, at Texas A&M and a lot of other schools, the reports are that when you're being recruited by them, they're like, okay, well, we have a pool. So what Texas A&M does is they get all of their corporate sponsors and boosters to dump a pile of cash into a pot, and that pile of cash is NIL money, right. when all, in fact, it is is money to pay players. That's an issue. So what, they're, what they do at Alabama is not you know, run a consortium, as Saban called it. What they do is they say, okay, if you're on the field, you're going to have an opportunity to earn money with our sponsors and boosters. So if my booster owns a car lot and he owns the local Chevy dealer in Tuscaloosa, let's say, um, and you're our star linebacker, you're our star quarterback, hey, of course we're going to have you driving a Cadillac Escalade that we're going to give you. Yeah. And you're going to be in radio and TV commercials like Britton Covey at Utah, for instance, like Built Bar at BYU. But you have to earn that, Right. That's what they do at Alabama. Whereas at Texas A&M and a lot of other schools, hey, here's a check for $400,000 waiting for you when, you when you come and play basketball at Miami. Hey, here's a check for $8 million when you come play football at Texas A&M. Yeah. And the problem is that you get a kid who goes to his chosen school, gets that $80 million paycheck, and then he sucks out loud. 
because guess what? He's a high school kid. And you have no idea what's going to happen when his balls drop or whether or not he's going to be able to be a quarterback or a running back or a linebacker or he's going to wind up being the stat guy. Yeah. And so you lose boosters and advertisers because the kid doesn't come through. Yeah. But that advertiser just gave him a pile of money. And so if I'm Nick Saban, I'm in a, between a rock and a hard place. Everybody wants to play at Alabama, let's be honest. That's the thing that's working for him, you know. But the problem is, look at Dion at Jackson State. Yeah. What's Dion doing? Well, come play for Prime, and here's a million bucks. You know, or whatever number they're offering their players. Yeah, and he tweeted that he wasn't amused that Nick Saban was saying that. Well, he can tweet all he wants, but that's what that's the culture of college football right now. And I think it's a problem. Yeah. I think it's a real problem. And by the way, this is not going to fix college basketball. Because no. no matter how you look at this, almost universally, college basketball is broken. Yeah. It is not a fun game to watch anymore because the quality of play is eroded so much. Look at Ben Carroll leaving Duke. He's going to the NBA now. One season. They make a pile of money. And after one year, they go to the NBA. Yep. By the way, this is not fixing college basketball. NIL really should be a solution for the badminton team. <laughs> it should be a solution for the non-revenue generating sports. And it should be a cash cow for college football because you are locked out of the NFL for three years. So it's a way for you to make money. But at some point, at some point, you just need to eliminate the NCAA and just have it be a minor league for the NFL. Yeah. Because that's where we're going with college football. These kids are getting paid. They're getting cars. And the, it, the problem becomes when a kid doesn't live up to the potential. And how many times have we seen five-star recruits just not become one-star players? Yep. It happens all the time. And then you're going to get upset with the kid. And it's the kid's fault. That's yeah. exactly right. It's the kid's fault. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think it is – I think it's one of those things where – you just can't have the wild, wild west of, of money laundering. But that's our country. I feel like that's our country. That's college sports. I mean, that's like that's like everything. I feel like that's how we go about it. Like like Dion at Jackson State just wants to pay guys and and you know send that message. And and the thing is, is like you know when you're when you're a guy, a kid, you know, trying to play college sports, and Jackson State is your best offer with all due respect you know you're gonna take that you know like that's why i say this isn't on the kid they're no. just looking for the best opportunity that they can get but does nil do anything good right now currently does it do anything good for college sports well well i mean if you're the kid you're getting paid which is good i, I, I mean think. i think it's helping it's helping the kid no matter what um but i don't i don't actually think in its current form that nil is working the way that anybody thought that it would I think that NIL is is making it is highlighting the bigger issues but, but that's, with with the kid. But that's what college athletic is. It's 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 you know, messing with money. It's the Reggie Bush thing all those years ago. Like it's it's all these scandals that happen and then we're all freaking outraged when they roll out NIL in the big programs in the country are abusing it. Like who is surprised? But I don't know that they're abusing it. I don't think that I would say but that NIL is being Saban abused. At his word. We shouldn't take him at his word, honestly. No, about but, it. but I don't think it's being abused. If you are not leveraging NIL to the maximum potential, and this is a BYU conversation. BYU did their deal with Bilt Bar, and I thought it was genius. Yeah, and people were pissed about it yeah, initially, well, if you remember. People can be pissed about it, but it sent kids to college. Yeah. Which, if that's where you want to be, hey, that's awesome, man. 
the backup center for the third team practice squad on the flag football powder puff team now doesn't have to pay for tuition. That's great. How about that? I'm thrilled with that. Yeah. I am thrilled with that. So my only point here is, is that let's not be surprised anymore. Yeah. Let's not, because I'm a big believer that when you have unmet expectations on, think about somebody in your life who consistently disappoints you. Usually it's our parents. Ask Jake. I disappoint him all the time. Right. I'm thrilled. But when you set expectations of people and they consistently don't meet that expectation Uh and you keep setting those expectations, whose fault is that? Well, that'd be your fault. So as as fans of college sports, if we are continually disappointed when teams and institutions find ways to leverage NIL that may be outside the rule book, don't be disappointed. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe fuck yourself. That's their job. They employ people to understand how to leverage NIL in the transfer portal. Yeah. That's their job, right? So I don't know. Um there's a big conversation right now going on about James Knight says everybody's entitled to an opinion, good or bad. This is the Monty show. Being a dick is allowed. Oh, absolutely. Being a dick is allowed. And the issue with Garcia is and Garcia, I've, I've said this to you directly <laughs> guy. You, you can't back up the shit that you say, like it's okay to come in here and throw a bunch of mud on the wall. You can do that, I, but you're not going to, it's not a, the, what the comment section on the Monty show what the comment section on this show is not is a free pass. Yeah. When you say something stupid, you're going to get called out for saying something stupid. I'm not afraid stupid. to die. I'm not afraid to die in the comment section. <laughs> I'm not. I'm murdered in the comment section every day. Somebody, no one's going to disrespect me. Yeah, somebody calls me fat or stupid or a casual every single day. Right. That's what this show is. Right. Okay, I feel better. Please give us, <laughs> if you're here watching the show, please give us a thumbs up and a like right now. By the way, by the way. Yeah. Before we rip Elon Musk. Right. Are you guys watching what the markets are doing? I have Musk. I have some stock holdings. <clears throat> the Dow lost over a thousand points yesterday and it just continues to take a dump. Pack your shit. Let's go. Every single day. And Uncle Joe up in the White House, everybody Uncle Joe. Everybody's blaming him. Everybody's saying, Well, well, Joe Biden's doing nothing to alleviate gas prices. Well, I got news for you. What do you want Joe Biden to do? Joe Biden has no control over the stock market. Joe Biden has no control over inflation. And Joe Biden has no control over gas prices. Here's the problem. Do you understand that we no longer have a supply and demand problem with gas? Why did gas? Why is gas going to be $6 here in the next two weeks? Oh, that's right. It's summer driving season. The gas companies get to leverage Americans who drive a lot. So they raise the prices arbitrarily. So how is that on Joe Biden? Because we no longer have gas supply problems. We no longer have supply chain problems in crude. We have tons of crude available. Oh, that's right. It's corporate billionaires taking advantage of Americans because they know that we're going to pay the p- price at the pump. Thanks. So we can sit here and, and, and we can blame everybody because we've blamed Vladdy. We've blamed Europe. We blamed your mom. Like Luca's mom. We've blamed everybody. Y'all feel me? At what point do we stop the nonsense? Stop the madness, as that crazy blonde fitness chick used to say. At what point do we stop paying the gas prices? At what point, you know, I, I, and I don't know how you fix it because we are so reliant on gasoline in this country. Like, we got to have it. It's incredible. Yeah. So 
don't blame because I got news for you. Whoever winds up being president in, in 2025, January 2025, whoever that winds up being, they're not going to fix the gas prices. They're not going to fix inflation. They're not like if you really believe that Joe Biden's at fault for inflation, you're just not very intelligent. Like I got he's not a good president. I agree with that. I'm Terry. He's going to Asia for his first Asian trip. Good luck because homeboy's going to fall asleep talking to somebody like I don't think he's that great of a president. He's not at fault for the stock market. He's not at fault for inflation and he's not at fault for gas prices. Yeah. Like this is stupid now. And real quick, one other political note, just because why not bring up Donald Trump? Right. Anybody see what Donald Trump said on Truth Social? Suck it. Um, <laughs> Donald Trump goes on Truth Social yesterday and demanded that Dr. Oz, the TV guy who's running for Senate, the nomination in Pennsylvania, Donald Trump went on Truth Social and demanded that Dr. Oz, who's winning by one-tenth of one percent, less than a thousand vote lead demanded that that dick had dr oz claim victory um and declare himself the winner of the republican primary yeah and he also demanded that we stop counting mail and ballots right so wait this is a republican republican non-crime republicans beating republicans now the republicans are cheating the republicans you know because this isn't like an open election. I hope you understand that. This was to decide which Republican was going to represent the party in November at the midterm elections. So you're demanding that he declare victory when the votes haven't been counted yet. And again, you're doing the same thing you did two years ago when you said, well, we got to stop counting the vote. It's over. For such a smart person, you really are lost, aren't you? When, it, when, is, when are Donald Trump supporters going to realize he's a fucking fraud? When are you going to get on board with the fact that the guy's a lying fraud? I feel like a lot of people have started to come around to that, but there's Good still clearly Lord. a ton of people who haven't. And now when are you going to realize that just because he said, oh, vote for Cawthorn, he's Yidge. <laughs> when are you going to realize that Donald Trump's endorsement doesn't mean what it used to mean? Yeah. Because Cawthorn lost and Dr. Oz is probably going to lose. His lead's down to like 1,100 votes. Yeah. Because they're counting mail-in ballots, which almost always go liberal, Democrat. The problem is, these are Republicans voting by mail. Oh, shit. Republicans vote by mail? What? Are you sure? I doubt that. They do. They do. But wait, if Republicans vote by mail, uh, you know. and, you know. and you know, you're trying to stop the steal, then what do you do? I don't know. Bro. <laughs> Bro. Start, start Truth Social. Justin Salas Twitter's says, been going crazy. Monty, are you on Truth Social? No. No. No, no I'm good. No. 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 Jeremy Bolton says, if Dr. Oz is going to win, I hope Vanilla Ice or Mr. T runs for office. Seriously. Seriously. When are we going to stop? Like, Oprah said this book's really good, so vote for Dr. Oz. <laughs> Doc, do you understand that Dr. Oz is a fucking communist? This is a, this is a guy who supports Erdogan in Turkey. Why does he support Erdogan? Because Donnie told him to. Like this is shame. This is a this guy has has put every single fucking wackadoo on his TV show, and and by the way, by the way, holy cow! How have we not talked about this topic, guy? 
Did anybody see what came out about ivermectin? Oh, ivermectin. <laughs> Save your dick and balls from COVID by taking ivermectin. <laughs> so it turns out for everybody who took ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, yeah, now it turns out you can't control your piss or your crap, and you're shitting yourself, and you're peeing all over the place. How about that? Did you see that people who use ivermectin, 68% of people who used uh... ivermectin for COVID now have long-term incontinence, which means you piss yourself because you can't control your, your pee hole. Dude. And you're shitting all over the place. Ooh, you know what? I have a solution for it. They could use one of Gwyneth Paltrow's rocks and yeah. shove it up there to maybe try and plug the, the pooper. Yeah, I'm shove, just saying. Shove it up Dr. your butthole. Ox, uh, <laughs> Dr. Oz and Gwyneth Paltrow are pretty much the same person. Right. It's incredible to me that people like... Donnie was like, yeah, take ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. <laughs> until you get really sick or die from it. Or no, no. Until you spend, -term, you know, you spend your life pissing yourself. Hydroxychloroquine. Congratulations, Donnie. You're wearing a diaper. Mm. Nice. Mm. That's, dude, that's your guy, Donald Trump. Dude. Ivermectin. Dude. Joe Rogan knows everything. Ivermectin. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Okay, I feel better. Whew. All right, can All we right. talk about Twitter, the death trap that is Twitter? Uh, yeah. So yes. speaking of my starting five of things I hate. All right. I'm not a huge fan of Twitter. Right. I'm on it because it serves a purpose. Twitter's been going crazy. It has. Um, so am I the only one who thinks that Ted Cruz doesn't want to buy, or I said Ted Cruz, thanks for the sound. <laughs> Cancun that, Cruz. That Elon Musk... <laughs> That Elon Musk... I started having second thoughts. ...doesn't any longer want to buy Twitter. Right. That Elon now is trying to pull out, like his mom should have, <laughs> um, of, the of the Twitter deal. Okay, sorry, that was too much. Yeah. How the fuck else would you do this job? You know. Elon, you shouldn't have given yeah. your sperm to, you know, Amber Heard. Hey, baby. Okay. Um, which, by the way, we got to talk about her in a second. But um, so Elon Musk says he doesn't want to buy Twitter anymore. Because he claims that all of the followers are bots. So, A, somebody did an uh, audit of his Twitter account and over uh, 100, I think over 100 million mm -hmm. are bots mm -hmm. on his followers. Texas, me. So, Elon's got a huge amount of his yeah. Twitter followers that are bots. Um, which is, okay, hey man, you know. Of his 94 million Twitter followers. Anyway. 94 million and like uh, 1 million. Wow. How many? How many robots? What the fuck is wrong with you? Uh, uh, Anyways. I went to talk and I burped. I don't know what to tell you. So he has 94 million Twitter followers and a good number of them. I don't know the exact number, but a good number of them are bots. Mm -hmm. So I guess you can audit your Twitter account to find out how many of your followers are fake or real or whatever. But so he says, no, I'm out. I don't want to buy Twitter anymore. I'll tell you why I think that is in a minute. Only problem for Elon is Twitter's like, yeah, tough shit. You have a contract. We're doing this. Yeah. And the issue is that Elon, through his hijinks, tanked the Twitter stock price. And Elon agreed to pay $52 a share or whatever. It yeah. Is, right. Um, and now it's not worth half that. And Twitter, for those of you who haven't followed it, has lost two of their top executives. Their stock price is tanked. Their usage has gone way down in this country. Like Elon Musk has been a disaster for Twitter. 
So now, of course, he doesn't want to buy it. And he doesn't want to pay his $54.20 a share. Yeah. Twitter's going to hold him to that contract. Now, here's why I think he doesn't want to buy it. I think he doesn't want to buy it because he's in trouble in crypto. Alone, Tesla, which is Elon Musk's company, Tesla. Tesla, at one point, made an initial investment of $1.5 billion, with a B, billion dollars in crypto. Right. And they started taking crypto as payment for Teslas. So when the crypto crash happened and continues here, he has lost billions of dollars in net worth. Yeah. So all of a sudden, being a jag off and trying to buy out Twitter and shut them down, we're going to do it right. All of a sudden, you don't have the money to do it right because right. crypto crashed. I think that's been a big problem here is that he has lost significant net worth in the economy with the stock price going down, crypto going down. And I just think he doesn't want to buy it anymore. Maybe he never did, but I think certainly he has changed his appetite. Yeah. For, I mean, for Twitter, you know, <laughs> I think that's the issue with crypto. You know, it is volatile. It's unreliable. It, it is not, uh, you know, predictable or projectable. I agree and, with that. And I think that that, you know, Elon uh, through the um, through the Tesla situation thought that, OK, yeah, Bitcoin and crypto are the next thing. And I want to get ahead of that curve and I want to keep being Elon. And I think he made a mistake with that. And so, you know, now you got now you signed a deal. And I think that deal to get out of it uh, is like a billion dollars. There's a penalty he has to pay oh, for yeah. not buying it. And it's so, a huge amount of money. So that's why I say, like, this is you, you can't you can't just do whatever you want, man. You got to make right decisions. Yep, I totally agree. Uh, Barry says, Monty, don't ever change. All these idiots that uh, say you're fat, they're not wrong, but you should never change. Yeah, that's Thanks, Barry. That's, Appreciate fuck, that's fucked Appreciate up. Appreciate that, buddy. That's fucked up. Hey, man, I, you know what? That's I, not cool. Look, it's a glandular issue, man. That, you know, you know I mean, big boned. I get it, uh, but know, come on. Uh, you know. Hereditary and genetics. Right. Uh, you know, it is what it is. It, what's it, up, it, motherfuckers? I think, I think what's interesting, Barry also went on to say we're absolutely right about Rudy Gobert, but it's fine. Um, I think what's really interesting is that Elon Musk is in trouble now. Like, he's in a damned if you do and damned if you don't. Yeah. He's got to make a decision. The other thing is Donnie ain't coming back to Twitter. Don Donald Trump that was going to like Elon was going to be Don's Donnie's savior and he's not coming back. He was going to be the boat that saved him. Yeah. So, and then there's Amber Heard. <laughs> this girl, I so remember we talked yesterday about her um you know, her donation right to what was it NAACP right I think NAACP in the Children's Hospital of Los yeah Angeles. um and so she was supposed to donate seven million dollars over a 10-year period right that was her that was her thing and, and it you was you know why it was seven right yeah that was the divorce settlement yeah so she was like I'm gonna take my whole divorce settlement I'm gonna give it to charity ACLU by the way oh there you go it was ACLU so she was supposed to give $3.5 million, half of the $7 million, to the ACLU. And she was going to do that in 10 $350,000 payments over a 10-year period. Well, it turns out she hasn't done that. And she hasn't made a donation since 2019. And it's become a major bone of contention now because the ACLU is who wrote the op-ed for her. I don't know how many people realize this. Mm -hmm. The ACLU is the one that wrote the op-ed that's at the center of this defamation trial. Amber Heard just signed off on it. And she 
it through her Elon Musk relationship with Mrs. Monty was absolutely correct, ended in 2019. Elon Musk made several donations in her name. So she has been getting people to donate in her name, which they have been crediting to her ledger at the ACLU for three and a half million dollars. Right. Mm -hmm. But she has stopped making donations since 2019. Is this at all relevant? Do you guys do you guys care about this? Because the ACLU has said that they're still backing her. Do you guys at all care about Amber Heard ma- donating her divorce settlement? I mean, I think it's I, – I don't really care. To be honest, to be completely honest with you, the, the trial is only something I look at because it's an entertainment thing and something oh, we talk about. As, like, a I guy, as a guy, you absolutely should be paying yeah, attention this is to this a, trial. This is as old as time, bro. Like, this is literally as old as time, whether we're talking to Sean or Trevor Bauer or any of these guys oh, that totally get themselves disagree. in these situations, dude. Like – like she has a track record of being absolutely nuts and you still got with her. Right, but that doesn't mean that she has the right to to make things up in my opinion and lie about Johnny Depp and wreck this, his career. Right, right, right. But this all goes back to one decision to be with her. Well, yeah, and, and I'm listen, for the record, yeah, we all make terrible choices in women. Like, I mean, as men, I think we've all if we look back at the the notches on our belt, there are a few like, "Hey man, yeah. You know, that's how monkeypox is spreading apparently right. now. Yeah. But, you know, Leo, like we all make bad relationship decisions. Right. 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 This one matters, though. Johnny Depp, he has got to, even if he doesn't win defamation against Amber Heard, he has to come out the winner in this trial because you cannot allow women to do what Amber Heard has done to Johnny Depp. She has wrecked him in spite. Well, and I think she's the one that's ended up looking like a fool here. I mean, I think Johnny's well on his way to, you know, work yeah, that. It's the final court ruling, though, that's really going to matter. If she looks like an idiot this whole time but still wins, like, no one will care. Um, yeah. And know. now, if it, the reason I bring up this ACLU thing, if they get her on perjury on this, which she perjured herself. She she lied about it. Like she she say that she admitted not giving that um not giving that three and a half million dollars after she said she had. Like she just wasn't honest about it. Yeah. Yeah. But that's her thing. Like she she doesn't know which lies she's telling and which she isn't, but it's ridiculous. Yeah, I don't know. I what care she about does. It. It's what she you does. Don't, you dude. don't care about it at all? I mean, really? so I'm not saying I don't care about it at all, but what I am saying is it's not going to, I'm not like, oh, I got to check on this trial. Like, you know, it's, it's more oh. of a thing for me where I'm just like, yeah, dude, this lady is clearly a liar and, and someone who, who tries to persuade people to do things that, that really is not good for them. You know, that much is very clear. I don't need a judge to tell me what she is and isn't. Like, the, the, the way the trial is playing out is telling me everything I need to know. And Garcia said, big old cash grab on gas and adult pampers. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Adult pampers. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I just don't know how this ends well. Jeremy Bolton, uh, back to the ivermectin, says maybe they can drink the bleach to slow down the symptoms of ivermectin. Yeah, they got to get the light inside, you know? Get, get the light inside. Like I like Yeah, you know. Uh Big Dog O-Town says, like I say, I can't endorse either party as a black American. I'll leave it there. The independent and B1 enthusiast. You know? Shout them Obama. I think there's a lot of ethnicities in this country that are yeah. are at sea without uh, without an oar or a sail. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't have a lot to hang on to. Uh, Eric and Raleigh said Musk never wanted to buy Twitter. He just wanted attention. And Garcy said he said 20%, bruh. 20% of what? Uh, James Knight says, cut the burp up for a new drop, Jake. Yeah, I, 
that's twice that's happened to me on the show now. We're like, I'll just be talking. I'll go to talking and be like, Wah. but it is what it is. Uh, Eric and Raleigh says Elon is a disaster for the world. This is, and this is the other thing though. Like Elon Musk yesterday on Twitter was trying to defend the footprint of Tesla. Come on, guy. It's, I don't know how many people realize this, that right now, electric cars are not great for the environment. Yeah. That not even that the batteries are made from metals and they can't be fully recycled. Like they have a half-life of like 68 trillion years. Like yeah. they're never going anywhere. Not only that, but if you look at the energy consumption that it takes to charge a car at your house, I mean, the, the footprint is huge because where does that energy come from? Burning fossil fuels, bro. That's where, where do you think electricity comes from? Right? Nuclear power, coal, like, and I know that Donnie's cleaned all the coal with a brush and a hose. Well, and the soap, obviously. You know, you know. but electricity is not clean power. I think people forget that. And so if we want electric cars to truly be good for the environment, they have to be charged by solar power. Yeah. Like if you have a solar rig at your house that'll charge your, your Tesla, okay, I'm all for that. I don't love it because of the batteries, but hey, that's better than nothing, right? And I look at the, the cost of gasoline and fuel and petroleum and the environmental cost <clears throat> that it is to drill that shit out of the ocean and how many little, little Nemos have we killed with oil rig leaks. Yeah. Yeah. But let's not sit here and pretend that electric cars are like good for the environment. Yeah. Because they're not. You know, um, can Amber Heard just go away? Hopefully. Nah. We all let the little head do the thinking for the big head, guys. Yes, James Knight, we do. Yes, we do. Uh, Brett Robbins says, Johnny will just make movies with Shapiro. Maybe. I don't know if he's ever a star again. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just don't think that he ever makes it back. You know, like I just don't. He'll find a way. My they prediction is do. with this trial, he's not going to get $50 million. I don't think the jury would award no. that. But I think at the end of the trial, they'll probably rule in his favor that there was defamation, and, but it's not going to be a huge award. Yeah. You know, like I th I could actually see the jury doing something that's more like um, superficial or like uh, not thinking of the right word, but they might award him legal fees. Yeah. You know, like it's an, kind of a wash. Yeah. But I hope he wins. I do. I, you know. Fat Jesus says, little head, speak for yourself. Yeah, James. <laughs> hey, those of us in the small penis club, you know. Uh, Jeremy Bolton says, good thing we got our new Telluride in two weeks, just in time for $6 a gallon gas. Can't wait to drive to Cali, man. Screw that. Nah. And Jeremy said, Bonte, any new tats on the the Verizon? No, nah, I'm not getting a Verizon symbol tattooed on myself. That's <laughs> not. Um... Uh, no, I, I yes, I need to finish my arm, but. There's too many shoes to buy. There's too many trips to take. There's, it, I, I don't have time, man. You know. Now we got money putting into the Jeep. By the way, before we end the show, can we bitch about Chipotle real quick? Yeah, dude. I guess I shouldn't bitch about Chipotle. Right. So I eat Chipotle pretty much every day for lunch. Right. I leave here to go to the gym and Mrs. Monty's like, honey, do you want me to place the Chipotle order? Same as yesterday, right? And I'm like, right. Yep. That's right. So we get the same thing every day. I get a vegetarian burrito with the cheese sauce on it. Why? Queso. Huh? Queso. Thank you. What? No. Not making a pooper. <laughs> uh, although my poop has been prolific lately, like foam poles. Um, hydroxychloroquine. Right, um, right. But so we order the same thing every day. So Mrs. Monty's like, okay, it's ready. 
So I leave the gym. I go pick up the Chipotle. I come home. I bite into my burrito, and it is a chorizo white rice and whatever death they have in there. That's an issue. Yeah. And Britt, my, Mrs. Monty gets a veggie bowl every day, and she got like a chicken cheese meltdown fiasco thing. Yeah. <laughs> so we called Chipotle, right? No. No. You call, and they're like, what do you want? Like, there's a recording. Welcome to Chipotle. Fuck off. <laughs> and so you hit zero, and they're like, no, go fuck yourself. And you hit zero again, and they're like, no. And so finally, you get them to ring you through to the store, and it just rings busy. Yeah. yeah. And so Mrs. Monty gets on the app and chats with a bot that gave her a refund instantly. Right. Yeah. yeah. You just have to reorder. But so I do that. It places the order. I go back. It's the same guy who's working at the window. I think he's very nice. Tim thinks he's awkward. But he is awkward. He is awkward, and he's not great at his job. Okay. Wow, this this escalated wow. quickly. It's anyway, just the truth. Like he was like, "Hey," and I said, "Hey, we got the wrong order. Which order was it?" And I and I told him, and he's like, "Isn't it the same thing that you always get?" And I said, "Yes, but it, like it, it we wasn't. ordered the same thing, but it's not. I got a chicken bowl with a lot of cheese and a burrito that was some other kind of meat." I was like, "And we always get vegetarian." He was like, oh, "Really?" He was so thrown by it. Yeah, he was confused. And, and he went back and he checked and he was like, okay. He's like, so you just want the same thing that was in there, right? And I said, yeah, it's the same thing. He goes, okay, I'll, I'll just make it right now. Yeah. Um, uh -huh. And so he made it, but he he was like, has this happened before? And I said, no, this was the first time. And he was like, okay, well, you know, sorry about that. And here's your food. He was very nice. Um, yeah. you know, I suppose that, you know, stuff happens every once in a while. Somebody messed up. It's not, I mean, with all due respect to Chipotle, it's not every once in a while. I mean, it's, it's regular. I feel like it's regularly, but I get chicken on my burrito probably once a week. Listen, unless you go in and I you, never order, you chicken. can't guarantee that it's going to be exactly what you were looking for. No, I agree. You know, with that. like, I feel like there's some inconsistency. Um, Hodo said, uh, she has three minutes real yeah. quick. Hodo said Tesla sold and stopped accepting crypto. Actually, I looked at this yesterday. Their crypto value right now is 1.62 billion, down from 1.5. So they've lost a lot, good bit of money. Um, what do you get at, at Chipotle? I never go there, but you guys talk about it ad nauseum. And then he drops an f bomb, so he got filtered. Every day I get the exact same thing: burrito with a, a tortilla, brown rice, black beans, pinto beans, veggies, um, queso, and lettuce. That's it. That's my burrito every single day. It's 855 calories of greatness. I get a bowl. I get a bowl. It's got their salad mix, rice, beans, yep. veggies, salsa, corn. That's it. I can't get the corn. Oh, and a little guac. Speaking of ivermectin, I can't do the corn because it just blows that butthole out. Bro. Anyway, okay, well, I'm Thanks. glad we could share that with you. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Make sure you hit uh, thumbs up, please. If you're here right now, it really helps the channel grow. Don't forget to hit subscribe as well because we are uh, giving away a uh, PlayStation 5. We actually have another play or another giveaway that we're going to do next week. Just rando. We're not going to tell you what it is or when it's going to be, but it's going to happen. So make sure you tune into the show live because we're only going to do it for our live viewers. Shop our affiliate links. Until tomorrow, say goodbye, Jake. Goodbye, Jake.